Hi, before you begin, just to be aware that some of these episodes were recorded some time ago, and there may be references in there that seem out of date. It's because they are. But don't worry, we're still live on all the social medias right now. Please reach out to us and enjoy the episode. And you people, you're all astronauts on some kind of Star Trek. Hello and welcome to Wait Where Spock, a podcast about a father and daughter's journey through the Star Trek universe beyond the original series. My name is Matt. And I'm Amaya. So this episode is a little bit of an introduction to us, to what this is about, uh, to our Star Trek history. So mm. why don't we beam down to the surface right now? God. That's <laughs> 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 okay. staying in, for sure. Yeah. Hello, daughter. How are you? Yeah, good. Good, good. Slightly tired, but you know. Let's talk about uh, what we're doing. Yeah. So the plan is basically that, well, the vague plan is to watch everything after the original series, which is quite a, quite a lot. Um, (laughs) It might take a little while, but I guess initially we're going to start with the next generation and then see where it takes us. And so every episode we're going to watch an episode of the show and then we're gonna discuss it talk through it um and see what you know someone who's watched it before feels like looking back at it and someone who's never seen it compares it to you know the original series or feels about it i Um, think that yep that sounds like a perfect summary and we had a little bit of a chat uh a pre-show and uh decided that what we would do if it's a two-parter even if it crosses over a season which it happens a few times Mm. that we would just do one episode one part so we wouldn't combine the episodes um one that's super kind of you know cliffhanger and clickbaity and we'll you know we want you guys coming back but mostly yeah just tell them our secrets that's yeah yeah that's right well you know these are smart people they're star trek watchers they know what Mm. we're up to and um you know uh, but also because you know you watch two episodes which ends up being 80 to 90 minutes uh, yeah. makes for a longer podcast. Um, so in fact, um, and in fact, of course, the very first episode is, is a two-parter. And I'll, mm. I'll, we'll talk a bit about the history of that but, um, when we do that episode, I think. Um, yeah. All right, so let's talk a bit about our history with Star Trek. We're recording this sort of post-Christmas festivities, yeah. pre New Year's Eve festivities. Um, I'm pretty tired. I've been working because I have a proper job. You, you uh-huh. don't, obviously. Cause I see. You're unemployed. But we don't <laughs> want to talk about your job. So... <laughs> mm, I'm unemployed for the next two weeks. <laughs> yeah, so you're unemployed for two weeks. Yeah, yeah. I knew I knew you'd ever amount to anything, but um, yeah, thanks. Yeah, that's all right. I'm yeah. here for you. Um, I, mean, I just like cleaned my whole house yesterday and brought up furniture and spent oh, really? the whole day doing that. But like, whatever. Mm. I guess I'm just don't do anything. And you do that every couple of years, right? Clean your house. And... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I try. So maybe we have a slightly different experience of Star Trek, you and I, I think, mm. than a lot of people. I think. I always think that it's the kids that introduce um, the parents to the... I mean, I was going to say the new stuff. Obviously, it's not. It's like 30 years ago. Yeah. Um, but, um, you know, I, I, I'm an old man. Uh, I'm post 50, mm. shall we say. And uh, I started, of course, with uh, the original series. Um, mm. And 
I don't have any specific memories about my first Star Trek experience, but I do have the memory of how I used to watch it. And so it was always on on a Saturday afternoon on, I'm pretty sure it was Channel 7 back in the day when there was four channels. Uh, well, SBS, I think, was in there showing, you know, what amounted to soft, you know, European porn. And, um, uh, and you know, Saturday afternoon, three, four o'clock, I would do Star Trek. Uh, and sometimes, you know, you're a kid, sometimes you'd miss it, sometimes you would watch it. But somehow, over because it was just constantly in syndication, somehow I managed to watch almost all of it. Now, I actually never watched all of it that way because, you know, it's impossible. It was pre-VCR. Uh, and by, yeah. the t- by the time there was VCR, I, I, wasn't, I wasn't watching it. I was doing, you know, other things. And, uh, but I have, I have a very distinct memory of that, of course. And not long after that experience, uh, and also probably Doctor Who a little bit, which was on our um, public broadcaster here, and then um, and then obviously not long after, of course, the big the big hit was Star Wars, and and I know for me personally, in terms of my career, I write, made films and theatre. Uh, Star Star Wars was the 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 big ignition. I had always written as a kid I, and drew. I used to, I would draw and, and write little stories and Star Trek would feature in that as would Doctor Who, as would things like, you know, eventually Buck, you know, the crappy Gil Gerard Buck Rogers came along and I would create all these stories where I'd pinch all these characters, Flash Gordon and Buck Rogers and Kirk and whatever and do all these stories and just combine them in this kind of like super crossover event. Um, yeah, so I, you know, I, was, I saw the future. Um, I just, yeah. you know, no one could... Uh, my mother liked them. Oh, you're very good. This is very nice. Yes. Um, but, um, yeah, so she was a big fan. But I don't have any specific memories of the first thing I saw. Do you, yeah. you obvi- I obviously introduced you to Star Trek. You did, yeah. Do you remember yeah. anything? What do you remember? Yeah, I, I remember the first episode I watched. I remember... Um, you I don't know if I initiated it like I asked for stuff I don't think so I think you probably just sat me down and made me watch Star Trek mm. um well that's but a I dream remember... of every parent is to you know, yeah force their children to watching the things they like so they've got an excuse to watch it yeah basically I mean mm. I think you just you had you got um it was I remember the first episode was trouble with tribbles that we watched oh was I think it? You, wow. yeah you were you were like this is like this all this is a fun episode, so this will like you'll like this, and it is. It's a great episode. Yeah, it's still um, and so you had it like on a USB, and and I watched Trouble with Tribbles. I mean, oh, I think the wow. issue was though that I watched it and I was like, this is great, and then you were like, yeah, there's no more episodes like that, and then I was like, <laughs> thanks, dude, like, great, okay. That was the first episode, and then I don't, I don't really know what happened after that. I guess we just watched well, more episodes yeah randomly. well obviously you received i think you received them all at once for a christmas or a birthday i do have the yeah you guys got me the three seasons box sets but i yep. think that was that was later that was like at a different house even i remember oh yeah yeah it was yes. it was a long time after that i don't remember yeah. i think i guess you and i would have watched this when your mother and i were still together i'm guessing no no, it, no 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 it was post that okay no we were at um well i guess i shouldn't but we were at we, we were at we were the Burdekin place Street. where the cat Burdekin Street. We can say that anyway. Yeah, so we're we don't Street, live there but, anymore. No. Um, yeah, we yeah that's where we were. I remember okay. watching it there, and then we you got, I got the box sets at our next house. So that so you have oh, okay, that's really interesting. A really specific. That's what memory. I remember, and then I guess at some point, 
I just started watching it from the beginning and I just watched all of it. Mm. I don't really remember that too much. Yeah, okay. I guess it might have been when I got the box sets. I might have just been Super. watching episodes randomly before. Mm-hmm. Um, well, if you'd express but, interest, I would have tried to provide that interest. Um, yeah. How long that lasted, I don't know. But mm. then, yeah. And they're very good. Those box sets are very good, I think. Yeah, they're great. They've got like a lot of special features on them. Yeah. I mean, it's obviously, I watched the remastered version because yep. it's kind of the only version accessible anymore yeah. um but it's a great remaster i really like it yeah i've heard a couple of people kind of you know moan about oh, you couldn't remaster it. <laughs> it's so good but i actually think the people who did the remastering on that captured the spirit of the effects yeah, yeah. um and they still look kind of cheesy mm. but they're a bit cleaner um, yeah they just look nice and clean yeah um I mean, and it really doesn't often, honestly, like the amount of people I've showed it to and they haven't, when I've been like, oh yeah, this is obviously the remaster. Like, because they'll just be like, wow, the effects look really good for the time. And it's like, yeah, yeah. no, it's not the time. And because it just yeah. kind of, it really does fit into the world. Even though if you think about it, obviously that was not the effects they had in the 60s. But like, it does really, just visually, it looks like it all meshes really well. Mm. Um, and I think they did like, like all the, because they redo all the planets and stuff from outside shots. Uh, the other yeah, thing... because I think the people, like the people who made, who did it, were fans, and they really yeah. cared, and they really put a lot of time and effort into it. Unlike yeah. some other remasters where they just do it because they think it'll sell better. Yeah. Yeah. Uh... Um, yeah. Okay. So what I was going to say before that, you and I, uh, obviously, we, you know, because of the worlds, we had different experiences with Star Trek. But there's mm-hmm. one thing that we both, one experience I think we both had, which was our love of Spock. Yeah. So, and obviously he was, I mean, we know from, uh, I've mentioned to you in the past, the fantastic oral histories of Star Trek and, mm. uh, and in those as well as pretty much everywhere else. And I'm sure, and, but you've read the Nimoy uh, or listened to the Nimoy um, biographies. Yeah. Right, where obviously in that he mentions how uh, Shatner was, um, had his nose, you know, pushed out of bent because, you know, Nimoy's, um, fan mail was probably you know four times as much mm. as uh, as his and well of course I mean um, you know no a lot of these are kids and they're not going to kind of get the appeal of Kirk whereas Kirk is a guy who I've come to appreciate more later in life yeah um, whereas initially he um, uh, he was uh, he was there it was he was cool he was fine but he mm. wasn't that um, and one of the like I. I never really thought too much about it until I think you and I, we were watching, we must have been watching one of the big making of, probably on those discs of yours. And Nimoy talked about how he would get uh, letters from teenage boys, I guess, mostly, uh, who were drawn to Spock. He felt maybe, or maybe they expressed this, Mm. because they're teenagers and they're, confused or whatever and all this and they look at Spock's calm and they really uh, embrace it and they really come to see its use and that I remember hearing him watching him saying that and thinking oh god yeah you know when I think about that period of my I mean I mean it's a long period when I think about my my Star Trek my real commitment sort of that kind of commitment to Star Trek lasted till I was about 13 or 14, I mean, it wasn't that committed, but you know, like it was in kind of in my life 
in some way, like I would occasionally read the novels. Um, yeah. So I was about 13 or 14. Um, and But it was there from when I was, I guess, probably eight or something like that, or seven or eight, I would guess. But it was always Spock. Um, yeah. You know, because he was... Um, and I think probably, you know, it's probably true for me that, you know, I didn't have a, um, you know, it wasn't, a, wasn't the greatest family life growing up. I was, I'm an only child and it was, um, there's obviously something about him, his calm, his knowledge, his gravitas, all that sort of thing. Um, yeah. And then later in life where that, whatever that's, you know, that stuff that you experience as a kid you know, I think I was a pretty sort of sensitive kid, but I was growing up in the western suburb of Sydney. Anyone, um, you know, listening internationally, the western suburb of Sydney is essentially a kind of migrant-heavy, very working-class, um, sort of working-poor area of, of uh, Australia. And in fact, near where we lived was uh, a, a little suburb, I won't mention its name, that for many, many years, I think for decades, had the highest crime rate in the country. Yeah, so, you know, all the, I mean, first of all, it was the 70s, so, and I think a lot of sensitive people go completely the other way. I think they just, you know, so to deflect stuff, they get aggressive and they put a lot of armour on and, and, you know, humour, I use humour a lot and, and to this day use humour a lot to deflect stuff. So I think Spock, for me, um, was something to kind of hold on to being a sensitive kid being an ang- and then later in life being a pretty angry kid um, do you, like you obviously saw Spock do you have any thoughts on and you've read the Nimoy books and yeah you know, what, what are your feelings about Spock like why do you think Spock was you know what, what was it I mean I'm not sure I mean I think like Leonard Nimoy obviously gave a lot to the role oh, and sure. I think um, due to his acting he added a lot of layers and you could clearly see like in every episode like Spock struggling internally with stuff and um but he really gave himself like all of himself to like everything and I don't know I think something about that just like you know you you kind of um latch on to those things Hmm. um Uh, I think it's true about Nimmo I think you know when you think about that cast he you know he was the most in it but um Yes, this isn't about Spock or the original series. This is about going forward. So, have you ever watched a Next Gen episode? Must have no. Seen, never, never watched any. Or you must maybe no. you've walked in a room. I think, I think maybe I, was... I watched the first episode. I've, I remember something vaguely about um, like giant space jellyfish. Maybe that's the first episode. Or maybe that's like a movie or something. Mm. Um, so I watched that. I think. Uh, and that's about it. And I haven't really seen, I mean, I'm sure I've, I've like, yeah, I've sat in on like parts of like episodes of like, you know, Voyager or like other stuff. Um, Hmm. and maybe some next gen, but really I don't like, I know the names that like, I know Picard, I know Riker. I think that's it. That's all I know. I don't Hmm. really know. I don't even really know when it's set, like how far beyond the original series it's set. Wow. Um, it's, it's so interesting now because, you know, what, what happens, I think, in the world generationally is that there's a certain age group that kind of takes power of the media. You're not, not in a kind of, I own a bunch of newspapers or whatever, newspapers, what mm. am I, 80 years old? You know, but, but people whose voices are strong. And, 
And of course, Next Gen now, the kids who watch Next Gen or teenagers are now 40. And so they're the kind of cultural voices. So what I often find when talking about Star Trek to people is that they, you know, and who are often younger than me or are younger than me, when they say Star Trek, they think Next Generation. They do, yeah. Most people think Next Gen. Like, that's the thing. When I would say I, I was a fan of Star Trek, at like school or anything, they'd be like, oh, like, and they'd start talking about Next Gen. And I, I was like, I don't, like, I always have to preface, I say, I'm a fan of Star Trek TOS, like the original series. Like, I, I have to preface that because people assume Next Gen. Because mm. um, that's kind of the Star Trek series. I mean, it was mm. like the 90s, I think. Like, I don't know. <laughs> 80s, <laughs> I guess. 80s, it was the. Was it, was it the late 80s? It was the mid to late 80s. I think it was yeah. 86, 87. We'll, we'll talk about that next episode, something like that. I know, yeah. I, I, know I was well out of school. and yeah. um, Well, not well. I was out of school and um, high school and um, uh, yeah. yeah. I, think, I think to me, like the original series, for being from the 60s, it was something kind of very refreshing from sci-fi. Like it was colorful and bright and it had interesting like aliens and creatures and it was kind of a very positive but not utopian view on the future um and i really like whereas a lot of sci-fi nowadays is very dystopian Mm. um and i think i always at a glance all the other series seemed quite a bit more dull and dark Mm. and that didn't really have any appeal to me like Picard seemed very serious and like it all seemed just a bit like what every other sci-fi series was I didn't really care Mm. um I guess that's like at a glance I mean I don't Mm. think that's necessarily what it is but you know Mm. and I think there there was a part of me that like really attached to um the characters in the original series and none of the other characters ever really jumped out at me Mm. um so yeah yeah I I and it like anecdotally obviously i would think that that's probably true and and in uh in preparation for these i started to reread the sort of next generation part of the volume two of the oral histories and i i I was reminded that uh, everyone thought this series was going to be a complete failure because Mm. the strength of the show was William Shatner, Leonard Nimoy, yeah. DeForest Kelly. And, yeah. and oddly enough, I think where we really get that from mostly is the least interesting part of the original series, maybe, which is the movies. Um, I think that's where it becomes mm. the, the strongest because if we look back at the original series, I mean, what clearly happened in the original series was they went, the writer said, wait a second, these three are really clicking. And, mm. and they just would write for that because that, that triumvirate of Kirk, Spock and McCoy just work beautifully together. They represent yeah. all these different things. You know, Kirk is the, McCoy's the heart, Kirk is the action and Spock is the logic. And they just, how they mm. bounce off each other from a humor point of view, from a, from a, from a telling moral tales point of view is, is perfect. Uh, and I would say, not, you know, spoilers, that I'm not sure any Star Trek series past that has ever really nailed it and again in rereading the second gen what i'm reminded of was they had a plan uh Mm. the the producers thought this was going to happen the writers thought this is how it's going to be picard and this and that and in fact what they discovered half a season a season in was what was 
what the what the viewers were really jiving to was such and such with such and such and in fact they weren't liking this sort of setup um yeah um and I, you know it's fascinating that this was the show that you know even Stuart himself has said well you know if i get a couple of years out of it and the paycheck it's great and of course he's mm. He got, you know, almost 20 years of work out of that show, uh, film and TV and film, uh, and, it, and it set him up for the rest of his life. He's probably still getting insane residuals um, uh, for, uh, for Star Trek. And, uh, yeah, um, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's amazing that you've never... I mean, that it's, yeah, it's going to be really interesting. <laughs> and I yeah. know, yeah, it's, it's going to be really interesting. And, I, and it's, you know, it's going to be challenging too because I think... I think in a way, next gen and, and original series are, when I think of those first three seasons, they're the mirror opposite of each other yeah. in terms of quality and resonance. I think, you know. Yeah, I think I'll have to go into it trying not to compare them. And not oh, I think like... you should. I think. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we want to. We want. I think. I think the radio audience. What's Radio. Yeah, sure. It's, it's this is like the radio, isn't it? I've yeah. I've heard about that's where you get the emails from, mm-hmm. and I've um, no, I think it, I think it's kind. Of, no, I think that's kind of important. You know, I mean, yes. Yeah, yeah, to, yeah. I know, but I, but I, I, I do need to also look at it as its own thing, because um, it'll have a very different tone and everything. All right. Oh. Yeah, it will. Okay. Mm. All right. Well, listen. Why don't we beam back up to the ship? So, <laughs> I just do that. Let's beam back up to the ship to wrap it up. Okay. <laughs> so good. Have you got all your molecules you made? Are you from beaming up? Most all, of them, all, yeah. All I mean, my patient's back? molecule, I think, was left. <laughs> oh, Dora, you're the so mean ship. to me. Okay, on the planet? And I don't know. You know, and you're just mean to mm. me. All right, now don't forget you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at WaitWearsSpock or email us at WaitWearsSpock at gmail.com. We love getting your messages, feedback, suggestions, hearing how you felt about the episode, and we might even read some of them out soon, so stay tuned. So, thanks for joining us today for the intro. I uh, hope we've uh, made you hungry for more for the next episode. You'll find the next episode next week. And until then, thank you for joining us today. My name is Matt. My name's Amaya. And we will see you next time for part one of Encounter at Farpoint. <laughs>